Welcome to the Grow Bold with Disability podcast, brought to you by Ferros Care, a podcast dedicated to smashing stereotypes and talking about the things people with disability care about most, to help us live bolder, healthier, better connected lives. I'm journalist Pete Timms. And I'm Tristan Peters. I work for Disability Service Directory Clickability and am a wheelchair user living with spinal muscular atrophy. Our guest today is the amazing Chloe Maxwell. Chloe was first discovered at 16 as a model and went on to become a household name as a TV personality and more recently an author and a radio presenter. But most importantly, the mother of Max, 13, Phoenix, 11, and stepmom to Jack and Skylar. Life seemed to be going swimmingly for Chloe in 2007. She was planning her wedding to football star Matt Rogers. The couple had moved to the Gold Coast with their two young children, and Matt was the star of the Gold Coast Titans. That was until just after Max turned one, and Chloe noticed that his development wasn't matching that of his younger sister, and the concerns that Matt had been raising with Chloe seemed to be becoming true, and there were many more issues to come with Max. Chloe, welcome to Grow Bold. Hey, how are you going? We're doing very well. Now, take us back to those early days when you first started to notice that Max wasn't developing as quickly as Phoenix. Yeah, well, it wasn't probably me that noticed it as such. Matt, um, obviously being father to, to two kids previously, um, knew the milestones that children should hit and Max was my firstborn. So I guess I was sort of in denial a little bit that he wasn't hitting the regular milestones, things such as being able to... Uh, different words that he could speak um, and engaging, I guess, like uh, looking at people. Uh, he, he just sort of, he had a lot of different habits. Uh, he would stack cans and it was like he wasn't really, the lights were on but no one was home. He, he never answered to his name. We thought he might have hearing issues uh, but we then had that checked out and his hearing was fine. Uh, but yeah, it was certainly having him next to other children his own age and them being able to do certain things that he wasn't able to do that was probably um, more of the deciding factor that there was something, there was an issue. Chloe, you mentioned the hearing issues there. Um, what were you actually thinking at the time? What did you think was wrong? I didn't know. I just thought he was a little bit slow and I just figured that, you know, uh, my mum kept telling me that boys are a little bit slower to develop in certain ways. So I just listened to her and, um, <laughs> well, when they're children, I guess. And, um, yeah, I didn't want to believe anything. It was Were you trying to sort of push, did you try and push this under the carpet a little bit? Like you said, you didn't want to think that anything was wrong. Like you're, you know, you're a lovely, beautiful model. Dad's a football star. You had all these ideas of how your son's going to grow up. Was that sort of like just going, oh, this is just a phase that will go away? Yeah, pretty much. And no mother ever wants to be told that there's something wrong with their child. Uh, so it's certainly when it was actually my father that picked up on the fact that he could be autistic. And when he told me that he thought that, I pretty much disowned my dad. I was so angry at him for even suggesting there was something wrong with my child. But it was it was kind of good in a way because it did set me on a, a research process. And I did through further research, discover that, yes, there was some issues and that the sooner I could address them, the better it would be for, for my child moving forward. Chloe, when you got the diagnosis, what, what was the thought process that, was, that you were going through? Yeah, I was pretty depressed, to be honest. I didn't want to hear that there was something wrong with him and 
I'd read a lot of horror stories, um, I guess, on the internet. And the reasoning behind my dad knowing that perhaps it was autism was because he had actually represented Diana Dawes, which was quite a famous case of a woman who had actually smothered her autistic child, uh, which was horrendous. So I had all these ideas of uh, him just being difficult for the rest of his life and me not being able to help him in any way. So, yeah, I was pretty depressed and I spent quite a few days in bed just trying to process it all at the time. So what was the actual diagnosis and how old was uh, Max at the time? Uh, at the time, I think he was just uh, maybe 18 months old, something like that. And it was PDD-NOS, which is, I don't think they diagnose that with using that term anymore. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, yeah, that was the diagnosis and, and the, uh, the guidance from the, the, uh, experts was that he needed to get early intervention as soon as possible. So what was the next step? So the next step was trying to find either a centre-based facility that offered uh, some therapy for him or for him to get therapy uh, at home. And we were lucky enough to meet with an autistic advisor uh, that was organised through the government uh, at a place which was a centre-based facility that offered childcare as well as one-on-one therapy, four hours a day, five days a week. And so we just decided wow. this is where he needed to be. The problem was that it just cost a lot of money. I think it was somewhere around 40000 for him to go for the year. And, uh, you know, for a two-year-old prior to school, uh, for you paying that amount of money is just like we were lucky enough that we had the resources and, and probably the only reason we got in straight away was because we could afford to put Maxi mm. into this particular facility, which it's called Little Souls Taking Big Steps. It's here on the Gold Coast in Arundel, but they have similar ones all around Australia. But yeah, we were lucky enough to get him in there and we saw such a, a huge improvement for him very quickly uh, for him being in there. And and that's when we decided that other people needed to be able to access these resources. And that's why we started our charity for ASD Kids so that we could help other people access that funding. In terms of Little Souls taking big steps, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what they did to, to help you begin this journey? Yeah, so it's a childcare facility that has neurotypical children in it as well as autistic spectrum disorder children. So they would all interact at their break time and then the autistic children will be, would be taken into uh, separate rooms and they would have a one-on-one -on -one therapy session two hours in the morning and then two hours in the afternoon which focused on certain things that they needed to address socially, give them some tools as to how to deal with their emotional situations that they're in and to, to help them verbalise as well. So it just depends on the child because it is such a, a broad spectrum. Uh, it Depending on what the child's needs were, they were addressed in these therapy sessions and, and they used a, a style of therapy called ABA therapy, which is Applied Behavioural Analysis Therapy, which used to be quite controversial, uh, but uh, certain 
methodology back in the day that they used was controversial. I don't know exactly the details of that, but now it's basically they just reward children for uh, achieving certain things with, you know, cookies and stuff like that. It's stuff that you do with your kids anyway. Oh, you did a good job. Here's an Oreo cookie, you know, like that's basically what they do. And a lot of it's repetitive. So they go over and over again, you know, what's your name? My name's Max. How do you feel today? I feel like this or whatever. And it's just, you know, things that most people would take for granted that their children just sort of pick up as they're growing that they have to teach them uh, in these environments. And how long was Max with these guys? Three years prior to starting school. How was he when he hit primary school? It helped him integrate so much easier than what it would have had he not had that early intervention. Uh, he really is he's po- possibly our most well-behaved child out of all of them, to be honest <laughs> now. Like, I wish they all had early intervention. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it really has helped him. It gave him tools to be able to address his emotional issues. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it really helped him a lot. And there are statistics that show that early intervention does help these children so much uh, integrate into uh, normal society and uh, yeah he, he was definitely very lucky that we were able to get him into this particular program and and he benefited and is still flourishing because of that. How did you find the teachers and the rest of the families at the school were they very accepting of Max was it difficult for him to go into that environment? At uh, yeah so uh, look to start off with it was a bit bumpy to be honest he did get a little bit bullied a few times and but he sort of became he became a bit of a um, a celebrity in the school towards <laughs> towards the end there and now he's gone into high school and the high school is is a school that most of the kids have come from the the same primary school anyway so he knows all of his peers know who he is and and what he's about so he didn't really have to start again going into high school but Certainly, I think him being at the school and the awareness that my husband and I are very passionate about bringing uh, has helped in a lot of ways because people have been a lot more accepting of him. And, you know, he's been on television and he was on, um, what was he on, Mornings with Larry Emder. He called him Larry the Llama. Mm -hmm. So he's been on quite a few different (laughs) things. He's been in the paper here a lot. And so... It's really sort of, I guess, increased the awareness of uh, what autism is and and given it a little bit of a face here on the Gold Coast in particular, which is probably the most famous autistic child here. (laughs) And he loves it. He knows it too, I tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Chloe, you briefly mentioned the charity that you started with Matt. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how how it came to be? Yeah, so our charity is called Four ASD Kids. And yeah, we started it because of the gap that we saw in the funding for children in need that had an autistic spectrum disorder and uh, basically just felt pretty passionate about helping others access therapies that they wouldn't necessarily be able to access because of a financial issue. And uh, look, in 2009, we just started off small, just trying to fundraise and, and just trying to help other families uh, access the therapy in the particular school that Max was in and then it's just grown from there. Since then we've we've refurbished a special ed unit here on the coast at Burley Head State School, spent $250,000 on that and we've 
uh, sponsored kids into programs all across Australia and, and we've been able to provide resources to kids in need as well as uh, fund some programs of our own in, in certain rural areas. So, yeah, it's just sort of taken on a life of its own since then and it's uh, definitely been probably one of the best things that we've we've done because I think, you know, my husband and I have achieved a lot in our different careers but uh, certainly when you, I don't know, when you can do something that helps others, it, uh, it gives you a greater sense of purpose. So what's the website? It's 4ASD for kids? It's just 4ASDkids.com. Um, obviously, you had uh, two step kids as well, Jack and Skylar, but then Phoenix is oh, 18 months um, behind Max. How is she growing up with Max? Was she a little bit jealous of the attention that he was getting? How, how has she been? To be honest, she's been probably more, she's taken on more of a maternal role with him. I mean, ever since she started school, he, she was always uh, who the teachers would call on. If he was having a meltdown, she could calm him down. She helped him in the playground and, and she's always sort of looked after him. And it's really only been, last year was the first year that she hasn't had to worry about him because he went to high school and uh, <laughs> she's had her own life. So she's really, she's been able to focus on herself and She's really into a sport, so she's, um, yeah, just been able to focus on that last year. And, and this year she's going to a different school because we just wanted to see how they went apart and um, they both flourished. So it's actually, I think it's been really good for her not to have to be relied on so much for him because she really has been taking on a more of a protector and supportive role as a sister. She's never been jealous. She's never, she's not that sort of a child, which... It's been lucky for us. I hear she's pretty quick too. She is quick as the wind. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Matt struggles to keep up with her, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Now, this has obviously been going on since uh, Max was two. What have you seen change in the last 10 odd years in people's attitudes and the amount of assistance and just the way the autism world has changed? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot more awareness and uh, a lot more acceptance and inclusivity, which has been great. And uh, yeah, obviously with the NGIS coming in, uh, there's a lot more support financially, which is also good uh, for those that can access that. And a lot more services as well available, which is also good. So Look, I, I think we've, we can only go onward and upward and, and that's all that's been happening in the last 10 years. For other mothers or parents going through uh, the stages of having their child um, initially diagnosed, um, what would you tell them? Uh, what would you tell yourself if you had the chance to go back? Oh, gosh, um, that it's not the end of the world. Your child is not dead, for lack of a better way of saying it. They, it's just that they're going, going to need a little bit of extra help, that's all. And, and to be honest, he's been the greatest thing that's happened to us. He entertains us every single day. He's the most quirkiest, funniest human being on the planet. And uh, he's really been more of a blessing than a burden, uh, which I think as a, as a mother, when you have a child with special needs, you often think of all the negatives and the fact that it's going to be a burden and, and it's going to, going to be difficult financially and difficult relationally. But to be honest, it has been the biggest blessing and it's taught us so much about what's important in life, what's really important. 
in life. So I would just say there is so much hope and yeah, just to focus on the positives and, and uh, the incredible quirky personality that your child is going to develop into over the years because most autistic kids do have just an awesome personality. I love them all. Everyone that I've met, I've loved. So not met a bad one yet. <laughs> <laughs> so what, does, what do you see the future holding for Max? What does he want to be? Well, look, it's, he really wants to be a genetic engineer. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> um, yes, I know. But he loves his gardening as well. He's right into horticulture and mm. grafting seeds. And so, look, he, I think he will have a lot to offer in both those areas, to be honest. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that a lot of autistic people have. They're very good at focusing in, in on maybe one or two things they become passionate about, or sometimes it's more than that, uh, and they become very good and expert in these areas. And, uh, yeah, that's sort of where I see him going, I guess, either into genetic engineering or horticulture. <laughs> it must excite you as a mother with uh, having a child with, with such clear um, aspirations. Um, it, it's an exciting thing. Oh, definitely. Like, it was never something that I foresaw uh, all those years ago, and I think when we got that initial diagnosis. All I could think about were the things that he couldn't do, that he maybe couldn't do. And, uh, you know, a lot of that was, you know, maybe around having a girlfriend or getting married and just stupid selfish things that we <laughs> we think of as parents. And, you know, for Matt it was, is he going to play footy, you know, which he's got no interest in sport whatsoever. So that's <laughs> never going to happen. But he does have such a passion for plants and genetic engineering. So, so be it. If that's what he wants to do and he's happy, then we're happy for him. What about interesting girls yet? Well, it's hard to say. I, he's, he's a bit too embarrassed to talk about these things, but uh, <laughs> look, he is a good looking young man and he's six foot tall at age 13. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. I'm quite happy for it not to work just yet, to be honest. I can wait. <laughs> I can wait. <laughs> he loves his mummy. That's enough. We don't want him to love any that's other enough. girls yet. <laughs> yeah. No, just, just his sister and he's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, I see that you go and do a lot of talks at hospitals and with a lot of different people and for different charities, including your own. What is some of the stuff that you're seeing that's on, you know, on the horizon for kids with autism and for Max and those sorts of things that we aren't aware of just yet? Oh, look, I don't know that I have an answer to that. Um, I just feel like there is a lot more inclusivity in, in a lot of things. Uh, so I can see, I mean, they're doing sensory things at, at Marvel Stadium, for instance, in Melbourne. They've um, Joe Ingalls and Renee Ingalls are on our board for 4 ASD Kids mm -hmm. and they they organised a sensory room at the stadium there because a lot of, I mean, being professional sports people like they are and like Matt is, I'm not a professional sports person, as you know, <laughs> but uh, you want your kids to come and watch you do what you do for work, you know, but if you've got a child that has sensory issues, this is not the easiest thing. So... I've seen uh, a few stadiums take this on and put in a sensory room that's quiet, that has some activities that they can do uh, that's, you know, they don't have the loudness of the crowd, but there are windows they can watch uh, the game, oh, for great. instance, with their parents. And uh, 
so there's certain things like that that I feel are just phenomenal that they are being so inclusive and I know some supermarkets have done some um, initiatives where they've had a sensory free I don't know what they call it not a sensory free day but they turn the music off and dim the lights so that you know parents that want to go and do shopping with a child that has sensory issues they can do that without worrying about the child being triggered so yeah I think I just feel like there's a lot of inclusivity uh, and it's only going to get bigger and better which is great. I know that when I'm out and about, I often get asked questions by people in the public. How do you deal with that when people ask um, yourself questions? Um, what do you say in response? Yeah, that's a good question because we do, I mean, I do a lot of our social media, our Facebook pages and, and whatnot, and I do get a lot of questions that are aimed at, you know, dealing with a child with special needs or autism in general and it's difficult because I'm not a professional. I'm not someone that can advise someone else on the best thing for their child. And uh, I guess I have to state that as a bit of a disclaimer. Uh, all I am is a mother that has been through what they're going through and uh, I have a child on the spectrum. So it's often difficult to answer questions because I don't like to give advice on certain things that uh, perhaps an expert should be uh, called on for that so generally I will just direct people to someone that is an expert that can perhaps help them uh, but I may offer some guidance on a few things but yeah I, I try not to too much to be honest more often than not all other parents really want to know is is it going to be okay you know because that's that's the toughest thing is when you're facing this diagnosis and you, you don't know what the future holds so I guess in a sense, I'm a little bit of a fast forward of the tape that, yep, it's going to be okay and your child's going to be okay and, uh, yeah, they can often be so much of a blessing that you can't even see it at that point in time. Well, Chloe, thank you so much. You've been an absolute inspiration. If anyone wants to read more or hear more about Chloe, grab a copy of her book, Living with Max. Thanks so much for joining us on Ferros Cares Grow Bold with Disabilities today. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. And if you have enjoyed today's episode, then make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Grow Bold with Disability. And if you like what you heard, then please take a few moments to pop over to iTunes and give our podcast a quick rating so we can continue these conversations and encourage people to grow bold. This podcast is brought to you by Ferros Care, a people care organisation committed to helping people live bolder lives. We call it Growing Boldly, and for over 25 years, Ferris has been making it real for both older Australians and those living with disability. To find out more, head to ferriscare.com.au.